Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and I'm saving all my books for you. This is episode number 330 and a half, and today I'm going to talk about a couple backlist titles that I'm excited to share with you. Hi, everyone. Since the last backlist I hosted, I took a couple days off work to attend FIACON for FIA Literary Magazine, which publishes speculative fiction from Black authors. The conference was virtual, and this was the second year that they've had one. I attended last year, too. I sit on Zoom for many hours each week in my day job, so I'm very cognizant of my bandwidth for additional virtual events. This conference was phenomenal. There had to be at least 100 panelists, and they were all Black, Indigenous, and people of color. It's so rare to go to a literary conference and have more than one BIPOC on a panel. And here I was sitting and watching panels that had three Black librarians or five queer Black speculative fiction authors or authors speaking from Brazil and Japan and India and the Philippines and New Zealand and Nigeria. Truly amazing. And I added so many books to my TBR. I was once again reminded how much I love short stories and I really don't read enough of them. Maybe I should make some kind of concerted effort for next year. Anyway, I'm going to talk about books I have read. Before I get to my backlist book picks, let's hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. 
Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international best-selling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tom and Series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsey Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tom and Series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon-worthy TikTok books, and angsty tearjerkers. Taming Seven is published today, and it's the fifth book in the series, so make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. For my first pick today, I have Dungeon Critters by Natalie Reese and Sarah Goder. I adore this middle grade graphic novel. It's about an adventuring party a la Dungeons and Dragons, but all the characters are animals. I'm totally biased because in my weekly Dungeons and Dragons game, we are also animal characters. My character is a cat and a fighter. Imagine a Norwegian forest cat with many sharp weapons and a warhammer. That's me. Dungeon Critters has four main characters in the adventuring party. There is Prince Chirp, who is a frog, and she has pushed aside her royal duties to be a part of this adventuring party and to go on quests and get in fights and crack some really awful jokes because she is immature. There is Rose, a cat who can summon fire, which just ends up with a lot of things on fire. Rose also has amazingly terrible puns. Rose has a crush on June. June, short for Juniper, is a golden retriever. She is also the party's druid and plant expert and the healer, who is basically just anxious all the time and cleaning up after Prince Chirp and Rose. She is consistently the most logical, level-headed, and risk-averse character. Finally, there is Goro, the muscle. He is incredibly kind-hearted and a few words, don't worry, Chirp and Rose have lots of words for everyone. Goro is maybe an anthropomorphic snake with arms and legs? Kinda lizardy, but bipedal? This book is super inclusive around gender and sexuality, and I appreciate that it is what it is without tiresome explanation. Prince Chirp is a prince and uses she-her pronouns. Rose wears very dapper clothing and has a budding romance with June. Of course, they don't say this out loud, and it just makes for a ton of awkward interactions. The book starts with a terrifying, tentacled, thorned, poisonous plant that the dungeon critters are fighting. It's controlled by a necromancer, and they're fighting him too. Yes, they win and rescue Timbers, a little toad who is a big fan of the dungeon critters. Timbers swiped an envelope from Jeremy. Yes, the necromancer is some weird horn lizard named Jeremy. The envelope contains an invitation from the Baron to a party. Chirp knows the Baron. The Baron is Chirp's lifelong arch nemesis, and she insists that they all put on disguises and go to this party to investigate. When they show up, of course, things don't go as planned. Juniper gets mistaken for someone who looks like her, someone who has been keeping up correspondence with the Baron. Things get extra festive from there. This story is fun and exciting and multi-layered. 
Yes, it's an adventuring party. There's adventure. But it's also about relationships, too, and growing up and friends and family and found family. And it's also hilarious. I laughed out loud multiple times. It's Dungeon Critters by Natalie Reese and Sarah Goder. For my second pick today, I have Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teachings of Plants by Robin Wall Kimmerer. This book came out in 2013, and I think has probably been on my TBR that long, and I finally read it this past summer. Wow. I have been deeply affected by this book. The way I perceive and relate to the world around me has been changed irreversibly. I happen to listen to the audiobook, and I can vouch for it. It's excellent on audio, as it is narrated by the author. Braiding Sweetgrass is simultaneously absolutely beautiful and wildly anger-inducing. One of academia's many problems is that there is no wiggle room for studying something outside of a rigid set of rules. Don't get me wrong, I appreciate the scientific method, and also, there are other ways of learning about the world around us. Dr. Kimmerer is a biologist, environmental scientist, decorated professor, mother, and an enrolled member of the Citizen Potawatomi Nation. Before I read this book, I imagined that trying to bridge the gap between indigenous wisdom and scientific knowledge would be like trying to walk a tightrope. Dr. Kimmerer makes it clear that it's actually more like examining something that's woven. They aren't two separate thoughts and instead are intimately related as if they're woven into each other. I admit, I haven't read nearly enough books by Indigenous authors, and this book rocked my world. Even just the idea of thinking of everything in the world as a gift instead of a commodity to hoard. When something is free, many of us will take what we need and not be greedy, unless you weren't raised right. Yes, I have opinions. I remember being in North Carolina years ago at a grocery store that always had free cookies, and it worked because people would just take a single cookie and respect that other people may want cookies too. How different would the world be if we only take what we needed? In fact, when used for ceremonies at powwows, sweet grass cannot be bought. It must be a gift. It must be given freely. Later in the book, Dr. Kimmerer walks us through some research of hers and her grad students about sweetgrass and the symbiotic relationship between the sweetgrass and humans. It must be shared from the earth and harvested to survive. I was particularly enamored by the section on sugar maples and what it takes to make maple syrup and heartbroken to read about how they're in danger. I really appreciated these sections on salmon on the West Coast where I am and learning about all the awful effects humans have had. I hear about this in a nebulous, general, I know capitalism and colonizers are awful kind of way, but this book taught me about what happened and what can be done to reverse the damage and how some people are trying. I also unexpectedly appreciated the section on hunting. I have always been curious about ways of viewing hunting that are ethical. Yes, I know there are people who will argue that there are no ethical ways of hunting, I am aware. In fact, the author herself states when talking about a fur trapper, quote, I have to confess that I'd shuddered my mind before I even met him. There was nothing a fur trapper could say that I wanted to hear. I was also hugely skeptical, but I went along for the ride and kept reading, and my brain has expanded in some new ways. 
There is also a beautiful chapter about the author cleaning the pond on her property to create a swimming hole for her daughters. And the chapter on three sisters gardening blew my mind. Like, I know theoretically, if you plant certain plants near each other, they have, again, a symbiotic relationship. But the way that the author so gently and clearly explains it is some of the best reading I've done this year. I love this book so, so much, and I hope you do too. It's Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teachings of Plants by Robin Wall Kimmerer. That's it for me this week, book lovers. Thank you so much to our sponsor. A special thank you to my totally awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, and thank you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com backslash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com backslash all the books. Remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other book lovers find us. And thank you to those of you who already have. If you want to talk about books or nerdy stuff or check in on my shenanigans, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Info File, as in the lover of information, spelled T-H-E-I-N-F-O-P-H-I-L-E. In the meantime, have a safe weekend, drink some water, and happy reading. Happy reading.